0: Welcome to the Capgemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope and I'm the Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility for the US, Canada, and Latin America. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's get the future we want together. i'm so excited for this episode of our podcast which is a wonderful intersection between technology and diversity equity and inclusion work earlier this year capgemini's research institute published a paper called the key to designing inclusive tech i had an opportunity to have a conversation with researchers architects and designers on what are the things that they think about and what are the tips that they would share with others to make sure that we're more intentional in designing inclusive tech? Let's start with some introductions.
1: Hi, this is Amrita. Amrita Sangrita. I'm part of the Capgemini Research Institute, which is Capgemini's in-house think tank focused on exploring the impact of emerging technologies, and on businesses, as well as increasingly on society. We were, cre- uh, we were born in 2012. The Institute works with a global ecosystem of internal as well as external experts, and uh, uh, we offer sharp, actionable insights and analyses on digital technologies, talent, sustainability related topics. Additionally, we're very proud that the Capital Research Institute has been consistently ranked number one for the quality of its research, and I'm happy to be here today.
2: Hi, yeah, my name is Aaron Rostrom. I'm a member of Gemini's Global Network of Chief Architects. I focus on helping clients define and accelerate attaining their journey for becoming a digital enterprise. And we do that through integrating human, tactical and organizational systems.
3: Hi, my name is Omar Hakeem. I'm an Associate Campaign Director at Purpose, a social impact agency. Purpose is a social impact agency. We build and support movements to advance the fight for an open just and habitable world working with leading organizations activists businesses and philanthropies on creative communications and advocacy
0: excellent so excited to have all of you here on this episode of our podcast where we're talking about inclusive solution design and Rita, can you talk a little bit about the recent research report from the institute?
1: Sure. Thanks, Janet. So in this research, we are trying to explore what is really the relationship between having diversity and inclusion within the technology teams that are responsible for designing technologies and systems, and actually having more inclusive uh, technologies and design of technologies. And broadly in this report, we looked at four key areas. We we were able to find that indeed having more inclusive and diverse technology teams do lead to more inclusive technology design. And, um, and that, however, given that context, and, and that seems pretty obvious, but given that context, what we found was across many organizations, the current inclusion and diversity practices seem to be broken, where leaders are actually not aware that um, the the employees within tech teams who identify as either women or ethnic minorities may not necessarily feel included, may not feel a sense of belonging uh, to the extent that leadership believes that they do feel that way. And, and 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 the other theme was also around consumers and their awareness of tech based discrimination. And we found that consumers are not only aware of tech based discriminations, but also have personal experiences of it and also indeed expect organizations to do better. And lastly, in this, we also offer certain recommendations and how organizations can actually go about building more inclusive technology teams. The key to
0: designing inclusive tech report does a great job of looking across industries, across organizations, across technical teams, in multiple companies to, as Amrita mentioned, articulate the gap between leaders' perspectives and women and ethnic minorities of tech teams' perspectives on how inclusive organizations are, as well as how inclusive their design principles and practices may be. Aaron Rorstrom, our chief architect in this discussion, also does a great job of providing some tips and things that architects, developers, and designers need to think about as a part of the inclusive tech discussion.
2: As a member of the Global Chief Architects, you know, we, the, the group spends a bit of time um, bringing the, the practitioners uh, across our client engagements Uh, up to speed on things that we should be thinking about as we design new products or services for our clients. And oftentimes as an architect, we like to start those things with principles. And so what are your guiding principles or or ways of thinking about maybe approaching doing a design, the design itself, uh, and then um, deploying or or releasing the the new product or, or service. And so some of those are, are there's some principles like you want to uh, design for equity. So that, that's an, uh, and this is especially important when we, uh, as we are increasing the, the use of machine learning and AI operations across the, the different uh, systems and, and uh, solutions and platforms. This is designed, we want to make sure that, that uh, fairness and, and impartiality is designed in the, the, this, uh, the systems another is thrive through inclusivity so we've learned that um, when you consider all the different perspectives of what's required or what's needed for a solution when you look at it from an inclusivity perspective that you end up with a a more meaningful or more acceptable uh you know solution this is especially important as algorithms become so important as as they're making decisions um, you know through that, the operation of, of the, the, the systems and the other that, that that I always kind of talk about is value sensitive design. and so value sensitive design is is another principle where from an architect's perspective, we want to have governing and operating model tactics that promote sensitivity across uh, not, not just design actions but design de- decisions that are implicit or explicit in, in the solution to, themselves. Um, you know these are as an architect, these are one of the things that, that we can influence uh, um, you know, coming and realizing inclusive type tech technology. And one of the important ones becoming uh, even more import- you know, increasingly important is this uh, kind of uh, having visibility or transparency. So d- design for overt transparency, where we can track a decision that's been made by a, 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 a machine. And so you you can track how those, those decisions can be made. So then you can tweak the, the the system when it's trying to make that same decision sometime in the future so that the, the governance activities and processes around them. So for, for me, you know, the principles are a good starting point to influence.
0: Those are solid principles and for any architects listening, I'm, I'm sure they would agree with with all the ones that you shared. The transparency piece really stands out for me in the current age that we're in around people really wanting to understand what's happening with their their personal data and other data so i'm sure even for listeners that aren't architects uh, that that piece around transparency will absolutely resonate we know that data is core to the designing inclusive tech conversation because we've all seen the examples of where a product or a service was not tested on a broad enough data set, a diverse enough data set, and the pitfalls that we've seen related to that. So we wanted to have a little bit of a conversation about data and what are the things that we should think about as we test and develop for these solutions.
2: You know, a recommendation as, as an uh, architect I'd like to mention or to remind us is that data is key and, and data is key because we, when you think of inclusive uh, systems, uh, inclusive technology, where we're trying to uh, address you know, a wide variety of populations, data is key because it's, it's, it's used to train the algorithms that are gonna be making the decisions for us, for the humans. It's also key for actually monitoring and tracking the decisions that have been made so then we can retrain or continue to train uh, the algorithm so they make a a decision the next time more aligned with what our culture likes. So this is true, especially as automation continues to expand or this this idea that's called intelligent automation or intelligent process automation expands uh, across the the applications that are being designed and developed right now. So what I think is companies need uh, is a a data strategy, a a comprehensive data strategy that that will help drive and facilitate having inclusive uh, technologies. And one of the um, important enablers right now, I think, is some of the the new synthetic data technologies are helping to facilitate creating a, a collection of data that's relevant and appropriate for the the intended uh, product or, or system or service that, that we're developing
0: what are some of the other findings around recommendations that we want to share with organizations that came out of the report and rita
1: sure janet and uh just as aaron was mentioning i think uh, you know the the fact that it's not just for architects like you mentioned because we've in in our report we indeed are able to show that actually a lot of the tech-based bias stems from AI-based systems that cause anything from mild inconvenience to major harms to diverse groups um, and and especially in our report to women and people of color. So in terms of the actions that organizations can take uh, specifically to deal with uh, or reduce algorithmic biases is to also think about conducting an impact assessment analysis for their um, algorithms and automated decisions um, so to think about who is this going to actually impact negatively, to have intentional thoughts into understanding what are the consequences for those who will actually be impacted negatively. What is the severity of, of harm like we were talking about? Is it just a mild inconvenience where some recommendations are unsuitable or is it a greater harm where somebody's actually denied loan or even access to healthcare systems or uh, are not uh, Uh, properly incorporated into health risk assessments, which are much greater harms. And then what are the potential sort of social and economic effects of such unintended consequences on communities, particularly diverse or communities that uh, identify as ethnic minorities? And in addition to that, of course, also there is a huge conversation around training AI systems for bias and auditing them regularly. We know that a lot of the AI uh, is working on training data which May or may not have certain concerns. So, how do you identify existing biases in the data set? How do you become more mindful of not creating certain selection biases on the data when developing certain algorithms or conducting sufficient pre release trials and post release monitoring to be able to make sure that your um, algorithms are working? Uh, for you and reducing and eliminating biases to the extent possible. And this is exactly where we also think, and this kind of flows into our next um, recommendation that we have, is to keep diverse users at the very center of your design of inclusive tech digital products and services. And this is not just from the perspective of having inclusive teams, uh, but also having users, inclusive and diverse users, actually be a part of the process. So you probably could start by approaching the building of in, uh, inclusive and diverse teams, not just at overall tech functions, but actually drill it down to smaller teams, to your UI teams, to your UX teams, um, and everybody, uh, product development teams. So tech adjacent teams who probably are involved in the design process. And also really think about involving users and consumers um, iteratively at every stage of the process and be again more intentional in thinking about who is it that you're actually missing out are you creating a particular digital product for your one what one designer may call an average user or are you actually looking at people who are uh, sitting at the extremes or uh, one what one would call an edge case and how do you bring them also into your design and development process so those are some things that come to mind uh, from the design side and i can also talk a little bit later maybe on how you can actually build more inclusive teams.
0: Great examples
1: and think about who
0: is getting left out. That feels like a great place to add Omar to this conversation as I know purpose is always thinking about racial equity and those impacts. Omar, can you share a little bit about how you and our purpose agency organization really helps clients with racial equity impacts?
3: Absolutely, Um, and really, you know, building on what Amrita and Aaron have shared around making sure data sets are as inclusive and representative as possible, that really links to Purpose's work with our clients, where we really encourage to bring as many stakeholders to the table as possible, and making sure that we represent a wide spectrum of folks across uh, race, across gender identity, sexual orientation, all the sort of uh, indicators that you want to have, a diverse and representative mix, providing their input, providing their insights. And we really learn the most from that primary research, speaking directly to those people, having them think through a framework, think through an initiative, Um, you know, use a program, use an app, anything that really tests um, how they're able to fully function, fully feel um, seen in the product or the service, or, you know, in in Purpose's case, for a campaign and making sure that their needs are met fully, um, which can be really challenging because, you know, as Amrita mentioned, there is sort of like the average person and something that we can sort of hone in on as sort of the Um, sort of middle of a group of people. And then we have many other folks who represent sort of, you know, more varieties or more uh, extremes of a spectrum. And it's really important to include everybody in that mix and hope that whatever whatever, um, sort of product or campaign or initiative is mounted includes everyone and that everyone is able to benefit from it. Another thing that we look at at Purpose are these macro impacts. So things were talked about around socioeconomic status, health. And so uh, what's really important is to sort of, you know, as Amrita mentioned, that impact assessment, making sure that as a result of a campaign or initiative or or a product, that things like the racial or gender wealth gap is actually reduced and not increased, Uh, making sure that people's health care and as they're seeking services, that they are taken better care of, not um, sort of reducing, reducing their ability to seek the services they need. And oftentimes with our work, you know, it, it, it matters throughout the process. That whole piece around including um, consumers, users, um, stakeholders throughout the process from beginning to end is the most ideal way to, to sort of um, design a campaign, design a service which can be challenging It requires uh, companies and organizations to create that space and invite folks to the table, which sometimes means going out into the field and meeting them where they're at. And that's a big principle at Purpose that we really like to encourage is that, you know, in order to include people, we also need to go to where they're most comfortable and and make sure that the the process is easy and accessible for them. So the piece around participatory design takes a lot of steps, takes a lot of intentionality, can sometimes push us all to kind of go an extra step to make sure that person who may not usually be included is thought of and is brought to the table.
0: Intentionality, that maybe the word of, of the year, of the decade, when it comes to inclusive design, inclusive principles, and having solutions that really work for the broadest population of folks. And Ritha, I know you mentioned that you had a couple of of how, of the how steps. Do you want to share those with yeah, the audience? Yeah,
1: sure. So, like I was mentioning in the report, we found, for example, just to you know kind of contextualize this with some data points, 85% of leadership executives believed that their organizations provide equitable opportunities for career development and promotion to every employee. But actually only 19% of women and ethnic minority employees in tech functions agreed to this. Moreover, and that's at a, at, a, at a question or at a level of equity, and we do try to kind of divide or distinguish between diversity, equity, as well as inclusion. And when we think about inclusion in itself, 75% of leaders believe that women and ethnic minorities feel a sense of belonging in their organization but only 24% of said women and ethnic minority employees in tech functions seem to agree. So clearly there is this huge gap that seems to exist between the perception of what leaders seem to believe is true versus what is the lived reality of uh, uh, diverse employees within these tech teams. And therefore, start with the idea of actually building tech leadership, accountability, and ownership for inclusion and diversity. And and we see this uh, happening in a Few different ways. First is to really kind of start with the point of awareness and education for leaders to really uh, have a sense or a pulse of what employees are actually feeling, to be able to have uncomfortable conversations. Sometimes it's also about unlearning, to be able to really be okay with not knowing the. lived experiences and reality of certain other people to be able to have uh, that openness to learning and improving on the tenets of inclusion and that's something that's somewhere that we think that one should start with and then also to shift responsibility from primarily the dni teams and hr and diversity offices to functional leaders Uh, because at the end of the day it's as much The responsibility of technology teams to have inclusive teams as well as to build and design inclusive products, I would say even more so um, than the HR and diversity offices and therefore to really have our leaders commit uh, to improving diversity within the workforce and especially within the tech teams and then in terms of uh, you know certain processes or practices and value systems that could enable inclusion so very uh, simple things like how do you de- design your inclusion uh, or uh, hiring practices and and do you think about culture fit we've heard about this word a lot during hiring but how do you really define culture fit so that it's not really excluding people who don't fit your subjective criteria of what it means to be culturally fit we have there is discourse which talks about how culture fit can be an aspect which uh, actually exacerbates exclusion. Or to think about your referral strategies, is your referral strategy actually enabling only referring people who are like you? Or does it actually allow for greater diversity within referrals? So really to think right from your hiring to uh, more also towards your other policies and how do you actually uh, create equal opportunities for career growth and progression? How do you have, um, we know there are some examples within the report which talk about how some organizations in, in the US are also in fact taking steps to ensure that women and ethnic minorities can achieve equality in terms of pay. There are very stringent and robust policies that are being put in place in some organizations which we can all learn from. And also uh, softer or what one would call more subtler aspects of enabling dialogue and creating healthy environments where you're able to actually think about questions such as microaggressions and how they play out in the workplace and how can you counter those things through creating forums and platforms and employee resource groups and actually enabling a diverse set of people to come and talk about some of these things. So those are some ways we think that, you know, it it could help in actually having building, not just looking at your diversity in terms of representation within the team, but going a step further to how do you actually feel diverse employees uh, have motivation, feel engaged and belonging, having a sense of belonging within the workplace.
0: In the age of digital transformation, this is certainly becoming a much more important topic. and I and, and it's elevating the diversity and inclusion conversation. Any, additional tips that you want to leave with our audience or any recommendations on other resources that we want to share where they can learn more or perhaps where they can follow you we certainly want to share where they can find the key to, to it designing inclusive tech report
1: so i'm available on linkedin at amrita Sengupta, also on twitter um, at Gondagol. And the Capgemini Gemini Research Institute is—you uh, uh, can actually go to the webpage, and you are you are able to find most of our reports there, including this piece—and and we're probably going to link that in. But uh, definitely, there are additional resources even in the in the institute page where you can find some quick infographics and some uh, materials that you can quickly look through and uh, and and get more insights on this particular piece.
0: Omar, what about for purpose?
3: Yeah I encourage uh, folks to check out purpose.com and when you go to the home page what we have there right now is our exploring racial equity impact frameworks Um, so we have provided three frameworks there to really you know dig deeper and you know touch on the things that Amrita talked about about you know really challenging systemic racism and personal bias pushing folks to have those uncomfortable conversations and really self-examine and see where they may have some blind spots Um, So these frameworks really help people and organizations think through those uh, pieces around systemic bias as it relates to race um, and also sort of solutions oriented, how organizations and companies can start creating empowering content to counter a lot of the bias and really encourage more diversity, equity, and inclusion with really that justice lens and making sure that, you know, whatever we're doing, make sure that we're um, achieving better balance, achieving better equity, and the folks that have been historically marginalized now are gaining more access and gaining more power um, for you know having been marginalized for so long.
0: Aaron, anything else for architects
2: and future architects? Yeah, I'll, like others, I'm also available on the LinkedIn at, at Aaron.Wurstroom. The only other thing that we've spent some time on, Janet, is been trying to think about, as look at things from an architect lens, um, you know, what are the, some new architect roles or roles for our client engagements? And so I'll, I'll uh, say more about that uh, through my LinkedIn account. If you've enjoyed this
0: conversation, I'd encourage you to check out The Key to Designing Inclusive Tech from Capgemini's Research Institute. I'd like to thank Aaron, Omar, and Amritha for helping us think through some key tips for us to remain intentional in tech design. I'd also welcome you to check out our LinkedIn live event where we explore this topic with other experts. We'll share links to this information in the podcast notes. It looks like we've come to the end of another Capgemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. Again, I'm Janet Pope, and on behalf of the entire America's Corporate Social Responsibility team, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you have a specific topic on diversity, equity, and inclusion, sustainability, or digital inclusion that you'd like us to cover on a future podcast, please comment in the podcast channel. We'd love to hear from you.